Now, I want us to look again this morning in the book of John. If you'll turn with me, the gospel according to St. John in chapter number 10 is where we're reading this morning. Last couple of weeks, you will recall that we have been in the book of John. We have been talking about these I am's of Jesus in the book of John. The first message was from chapter 6 where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He compares himself to the manna in the wilderness and the loaves in the field where he fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. And he said, all of this is natural bread, but I am that bread that came down from heaven. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness. They are dead, but I am the bread of life. He reminds them that they will receive the bread of life, that they will live forever. And of course, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're reminded where Jesus broke the bread, passed it around the table, and said, take ye and eat, for this is my body, which was given for you. And he said, if you won't eat my body and drink my blood, then you'll have no part with me, no part in me. And you cannot see the kingdom of God. They said, I can't go any further with this man. What does he want us to eat him for? I, we don't understand this. We're not going any further. And they quit on him. But Jesus said, if you'll receive the bread of life, you'll live forever. And so he declares himself to be the bread of life. Last Sunday, we talked about this from chapter 7, 8, and 9, actually, um, where he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus declares himself to be the light of the world. The book of John begins with, the, with the John the Baptist saying, I am not that light, but I came to bear witness of that light, that light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. John said, I am not. Jesus says, I am. I am the light of the world. We talked about that illumination ceremony. Some of you who were here remember what I'm talking about, those 75-foot high uh, candelabras in the court of the women that were lit up. And, of course, that court of the women had three gates or entryways into archways into that court. And when they would light that up, there would be three doors that were lit up. And they would shine that light into the court of the Gentiles. And Jesus became not only the light to lighten the world of the Jews, but there in that court of the women where both men and women who were Jews could go, but also to light into the court of the Gentiles. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three doors. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Surely is what that fire by night that would pillar fire in the heavens led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage where darkness and plagues had been into the place the Lord had prepared for them. Jesus said, I am the light of the world to bring all sinners and all those who will trust in me out of the darkness of this old world into the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. And he illustrated that with the blind man who had been who had been given his sight he illustrated those who would not see the light by those uh, by those pharisees and sadducees who refused the gospel and argued with him about the blind man whose sight was received and who sought to trap him with that woman who was caught in adultery and he shows how she received the light in that she believed in Christ believed in the gospel accepted forgiveness and then accepted the instruction of the light, go and sin no more. Jesus did not condemn her. However, he did correct her. He told her, go and sin no more. He came not for condemnation. Condemnation would have meant death. Stone her till she dies. That's what condemnation would mean. Condemnation is not when I perceive that what you're doing is wrong. Condemnation is when we take up rocks and throw them at you till you're dead. 
Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. But he did correct her. Go and sin no more. Change your life. Quit doing what you've been doing. The light of the gospel is not so that you can get a suntan. It is so your life will be changed. It is to correct what you've been doing. The light of the gospel is to shine light on your wrongdoings and your wrong standing with God and show you a better way of life. If you say you've received the gospel, but yet you're continuing in the same route you've always lived, either you've not received the gospel or you misunderstand what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to change you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. The forgiveness of God is not given for us to continue in sin, but that we may forsake sin. And that is what the light of the glorious gospel is about. Now this week we're coming to the very next chapter. We left off last Sunday in chapter number 9 and verse 41 when Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you should have no sin, but now you say we see, therefore your sin remaineth. And Jesus begins again telling them who he is in chapter 10 and verse number 1. If you found John chapter 10, I'd invite you to stand with us. We'll reverence the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. John chapter number 10 and in verse number 1. The word of the Lord says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not. What things, that, uh, what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them, verily, uh, or unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and shall find pasture. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Two phrases, verse number seven, Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. Verse number nine, Jesus says, I am the door. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while read the word of the Lord. The I am's of Jesus this morning as we are preaching this. I am the door. That is our subject for today. Now we mentioned early in every message I've mentioned this. There are seven occasions in John where Jesus specifically claims a title. In each of these he states claims to divinity, to being God manifest in the flesh. And he relates the truths to the Jewish persons who are listening in such a way that it would have been impossible for them not to understand what he was saying. As he uses the words, I am. These words are more than just words to start a sentence. They are indicators of our Lord's identity. And that would have been uniquely understood by the Hebrew people of this time. 
when God introduced himself to Moses at that bush of fire in Exodus chapter number 3. And Moses said, when I go tell Pharaoh and the people of the Hebrew nation uh, who it is that has sent me, what shall I tell them? What shall I say is this God's name? He said, tell them I am that I am have sent you. Tell them I am sent you. That word I am is the self-existent one, the Yahweh, the Jehovah God. When Jesus says I am, he is connecting himself to the God of heaven. He is connecting himself with this title of Yahweh, Jehovah, and thereby claiming not only to be the Son of God, but God the Son manifested in human flesh. And so Jesus came saying things like, and he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, if you shall die in your sins, if you believe not that I am he, he ye shall die in your sins. Jesus said things like John 13 and 13. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. Last week's message, we went right over the verse where Jesus spoke to them in John 8 and 58 and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was... I am. When he uses these I am's all over the book of John, it is to uniquely communicate to the people of Israel that he is the God of heaven manifested in human flesh. In today's portion of scripture, he uses these words, I am the door. And so that's where our text is this morning. I'm going to cut all of the fat and try to get directly to the message this morning. And to preach here, but uh, we're coming to the next chapter or the next portion of our study next Sunday. And they overlap just a little bit. And so I'm trying not to overlap too much in the message. But next Sunday's will be, I am the good shepherd. And this morning, I am the door. The door to sheepfold. And then he says, he's the good shepherd. It seems like he's claiming two portions of one, uh, of one parable. He's claiming identity of two portions in one parable. That ought not surprise us any. Jesus tells us in the book of Hebrews concerning the Old Testament, he tells us that he is the law, that he is the ark, that he is the, the lamb, that he is the high priest, that he is the promise, he is the covenant, he is everything that we need is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is all in all. He filleth all in all. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is God manifest in the flesh. Jesus was more than a good servant. He was a servant. He was more than a good man. He was more than a prophet. He was more than a teacher came from God. He was more than a rabbi. He was more than a priest. He was more than a preacher. My friend, he was God manifest in the flesh. He was more than a man who had an epiphany or a dream or a desire or a good ambition. He was more than just a spirit-filled preacher. He was God manifest in the flesh. And when he says, I am the bread of life, it's to let us know he's the bread that came from heaven, the bread of life, not just the bread of man. Man should not live by bread alone, natural bread, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. I am the light of the world. No light is bright enough to shine all around the world. And I don't care whether it is a spotlight. I don't care if it is a band of lights. I don't care if it is a Christmas light. doesn't matter if it's a headlight or a red light. 
It's not bright enough to shine all the way around the world. But Jesus said, I am. I'm bright enough to shine around all of the world. I'm the light of the whole world. I'm the light of the glorious gospel has shined in the dark places all around the world. And that shows us His divinity. Here we are as a crow flies some 6,500 miles from Jerusalem this morning where we are gathered in Bremen, Georgia if the crow could fly across the Atlantic Ocean. And my friend, here we are in a dark place where there was no gospel 300 years ago, 400 years ago. Nobody telling about Jesus. And yet this morning a two-by-four preacher has stood to the pulpit to tell you about the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And His light is shining into all of the world. Because Jesus is the light of the world. He can only be the bread of heaven if He's God the Son. He can only be the light of the whole world if He is God the Son. And He can only be the door to heaven if He is God the Son. He's the door to the sheepfold. He is the entryway into the family of God. He is your access point to God the Father. There is only one eternal hope for you and your family. And that is God Almighty. Outside of God Almighty in your efforts and your abilities and your flesh, you will die lost in your sin. Jesus said it last week. He said, except you believe on me, you shall die in your sin. Except you receive me, you shall die in your sin. You'll die lost and go to hell without God. But your eternal hope, my friend, is God Almighty. And your only access to God Almighty is His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the door. He is not a door. He is the door. Jesus is the door. Jesus is your access point. Jesus is your point of contact with God Almighty. He's the only point of contact that you can have with Him. He's your only access is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I probably will not come back to this verse so while it's on my mind I want to mention it. Jesus said it in the book of Revelation. He said I am he that openeth and no man closeth. He that closes and no man opens it. He is the door. He controls the access point. Whenever he put Noah in the ark. My friend Noah could build the ark according to his specifications. But when it came time to close the door God shut the door. When it came time to open it up. God opened the window. The Lord controls the access. He's the door. There is one way in and that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is one access point to God and that is in Jesus Christ. The hinges of my friend of eternity rest on a stable yonder in Bethlehem where our precious Lord came to earth and flung the door open and said whosoever will let him come. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. One man said it sure would be an unfair God who would make a great big heaven tell everybody they could go but they could only go through one point. You're misunderstanding this thing altogether. It is a gracious God that would make a place called heaven. Make any door of access and then open it up to 
to you and to me. It's by the Lord's mercy and grace that any of us can go to heaven. We ought not to be able to go by all rights. We have no reason to deserve to go to heaven. But Jesus made a way for us. It's by mercy that He gave us access. It is by grace that He opened the door. It is by His marvelous and merciful kindness towards us that we can have any access to God and any access to heaven. And the access must come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, hey, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be declared unto us by the Lord and was spoken to us by the Lord and was declared unto us by them that heard Him. If Jesus came and you refused Jesus, what other hope do you have? If He sent His Son and that's not enough, where will you find a better sacrifice? It's Jesus or it is nothing. He is the door, your point of access, your only and all-sufficient hope. Jesus is all you have to get to God with, but He's all you need. Amen. He's your only hope, but He's the only hope you need. He's your only answer, but He's the only answer that you need. Jesus is the door. I am the door, Jesus says. Now this, uh, this morning we'll not deal with the shepherd. Next week's the shepherd. But he's the door to the sheepfold. He is the door. And so let me give you three, four things, three things this morning, a few things about those things and we'll be finished. And I'll try to be as brief as what I can. I'll get this thing done as what, what, soon as what the Lord will let us do. So I want to preach as long as God wants me to preach. What about that? And so this morning, the word of the Lord says that this door is a person. The door is a person. Jesus said, did not say, I can show you the door. Jesus did not say, I know where the door is. Jesus didn't say, I can give you a security key to access the door or some formula to build a door or the plans to construct a door. Jesus said, I am the door. The door is a person. The door is not religion. The door is not uh, my friend, the church. The door is not uh, some manual. The door is not some lifestyle. The door is a person. And my friend Jesus said it in verse 9 very unambiguously. I am the door. He says it in verse 7. I am the door. And there is no... Uh, he's not stuttering here. He's not searching for words. He's not uh, collaborating around the pole of vacillation. Beating around the bush. Pretending to say something. I've heard preachers say this and I probably have said it at some point myself but I ought not to have if I have. I've heard preachers say, well, what the Lord is trying to tell us here is this. The Lord ain't trying to tell us nothing. He's just telling us. Amen. He's not searching for words. I do that. I get in the middle of a sermon. I start to try to say something. And I know what I want to say, but I'm not saying it very well. I just can't quite grasp all the necessary words to explain what I'd like to tell you about. God's not like that. He's saying what He intends to say. I am the door. This is not an accident. He's not misspeaking here. He's not a gaff machine on the political trail. And my friend, he's just saying exactly what is to be said. I am the door. Sure, he didn't mean it like that. Yes, he meant it exactly like that. The door is a person. Your access to God is through a person. In bold language, Jesus declares himself to be the door of the sheep. No one gets into 
God's flock without going through Him. Verse number 1 reminds us that anybody who tries any other attempt in any other way marks himself as a thief and as a robber. There is only one way to the Father and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll come back to this verse in a few weeks. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is your access. He is your door into heaven. He is your door in the sheepfold. The big question this morning is, have you been through the door? If you've tried to come in any other way, you're not welcome. And I don't mean you're not welcome at church. I mean you're not welcome in the family of God. The only way you get into the family of God is through the door. It's not through church membership. It is not because the preacher shook your hand. He's going to try to avoid shaking your hand this morning if I can. I'll fist bump with you. I'll give you a chicken wing. I will tap toes with you. I'll give you the high sign. But I'm trying to avoid shaking your hand this morning. I'll just be real honest with you about it. So it doesn't come through shaking hands with the preacher. What it comes I'm through, and by the way, I'm glad you're here, and we're not going to make each other sick this morning, but we're also just not going to be stupid. And so we, uh, our access point of the Lord into the Lord Jesus Christ, into the family of God, is through the Lord Jesus. It's through a person. It's not through any other means. There is no other measure. And if you're attempting to get in the family of God or into the kingdom of heaven through any other measure except through the door, you're just like a thief breaking into the house. You won't access into the household of faith you come through the door if you come in any other way yeah, we're going to count you God is going to count you as it were a thief now tonight about 3.30 in the morning and I get a hankering for a piece of pecan pie and I know Brother, Brother John and Sister Ginger done been to Sam's and they've stocked up they've got pecan pie in the refrigerator or the freezer they've got them little uh, they've got them little cheesecake bite things in little squares that I mean they're just a little square of heaven in the refrigerator or freezer I mean them things are good and if they don't have that Brother John's probably smoked some meat in that smoker that the church bought for him and if we bought it I'd at least get to eat some meat out of it amen and so about 3 o'clock this morning I need to make a run to the refrigerator and I think I'll bet Brother John's got something better in his fridge than what I got in mine and so I go over there to his house and I decide that that's a place to go and get some good food and uh, I could walk up to the door and knock on the door and let just let I come through the door and if I did come into the door at 3 o'clock in the morning Ginger would be scared to death but Brother John would see me at the door and he'd say this is a friend some reason why he must be here because he does not bother us in the middle of the night so come on in Brother Toby is there something I can do for you I mean, do you need a piece of that pecan pie or some coffee? Let's sit at the table, figure out what's going on so that we can get back to bed. Do you need a bed to sleep in? We'll put you in a bed. I mean, something because I knocked on the door. But if I take a different approach tonight, and instead, Brother David Castile, I put a, I put an extension ladder at the back of the house, and I climb all the way up the back of the house to a window, and I break the window open, and I crawl in through the window. And to try not to be noticed to break in. And for the John, whenever I get into window, one foot in, one foot out. That ginger's already got all upset, worried, and the alarm's gone off. And now he's standing there, flips the light on baseball bat in his hand, and he's not even waiting to recognize me. He's just gonna have a rare back like Mark McGuire and try to knock me out that window before.
before I get in. You know why He's going to treat me that way? It's not because He doesn't love me, doesn't like me, doesn't want me in His house. It's I came in like a thief and a robber. There was a door available, but I didn't use it. There was an access available, but I didn't use it. Instead, He never even recognized who I was. He thought I was a thief. He thought I was a burglar. And so He treated me as such. Listen to me. The Lord Jesus has said, all of you, you can come in through the door. There's access through me. I'm the door. But if you want to come in through some other prophet, if you want to come in through some other means, if you want to come in through some other method, I will treat you like a thief. And your access point is not through a window or through a wall or through the roof. It is through the door that is Jesus Christ. You'll get in through Him or you have no place in the household of faith. Brother John ain't going to catch me climbing in the window and say, come on in, let's get some of that pecan pie and drink some coffee. If he does, he's probably going to have to call 911 first because he done hit me in the head with a ball bat, then figured out who it was. We don't, our point of access is not through any other means except the Lord Jesus. It is not through baptism. It is not through uh, joining the church. It is not through some... Uh, some religious act. It's not through giving to charity. It's not through being a good person, which you can't do, by the way. You're not a good person. I hate to bust your bubble, but you're not a good person. You are not a good person. I'll say it one more time. You are not a good person. And I am not a good person. And my friend, there are no good people. There is none good but God. That's why we have to go through Him. He's the only one good. But if we'll come through Jesus, then that is good enough. How Jesus is the only one that's good. Enough. All the rest of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You have problems and I do too. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even want to tell you about all of mine because then you wouldn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. And we all have problems. We've all fallen short of God's glory. It's Jesus that makes up the difference. He's the door. The door is a person. Secondly, the door is a proposal. The door is a person and the door is a proposal. Look at verse number 9 of our text. Jesus says, I am the door. By me, that is through by the door, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The door is a proposal. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Do you know what it takes to be born again? Do you know what it takes to be saved? Entering in through the person of Jesus Christ. This is a statement that is dependent on the mercy of Christ and the will of man. Jesus will have mercy on you if you will simply trust Him to save you. He is proposing to give you eternal life. Notice the scope of this proposal. He says, if any man, if any man, if any man, that means any man, you, me, any Anybody else? It means any man. If you look it up in the Hebrew, in the Greek, I studied in Latin translations, call a Jewish rabbi and ask them for interpretation. It means if any man, that's what it means. Any man, any man, any man, any person, any individual. Salvation is not a club for a few elite saints, but it is an offer of God to any and every man. John 3, 16 offers.
believers that rise. And that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You realize there is salvation in Christ for any man. Have my friend white and black and yellow and red, have purple and green, if there are any, if any man, if any man, my friend, if anybody, I will simply trust in the Lord. Salvation is in Christ Jesus for you. You can be saved if you are lost in sin today. Hey, you can be born again if any man. Salvation for, for only for rich people, most all of us would have just been left out. Salvation was only for smart people, most all of us would not have made the cut. If salvation was only for refined people, everybody in West Georgia would have been left out. I mean, we're about as refined as a pair of worn out old shoes. If salvation were for people that only used good grammar, if salvation were for people who only drove a Jaguar, if salvation was only for people who uh, have met a certain social status, if salvation was for people who only belonged to uh, the country club at Augusta, if salvation was only whatever, then somebody would be left out. But if salvation is for any man, then we all qualified. If salvation is for sinners, then we all qualified. If salvation is for people who are guilty, then we all qualified. All we must do is believe. Enter in through the door. There is a point of access for us. But listen, salvation is not available for anybody who will not enter the door. How your the contingency and the condition has to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the door. And the scope of it is that anybody can be saved. Those people, Brother Matthew preached to in prison. Just as eligible for being born again as what Amen. these little boys and girls in Sunday school Amen. are. Amen. Amen. Yes, Those folks in Haiti that Brother Osnell ministers to every single day just as eligible of my friend for receiving salvation as those who live in Beverly Hills, California, my friend or any other place of great wealth in the world. Those who are red or white or yellow or black are all eligible. Amen. The scope of this proposal. Then notice the system of the proposal. The scope of it. There is a, if any man, the system of it is if any man enter in. A door serves one of two purposes. It is a barrier designed to keep people out and it is a means of access allowing people in. Jesus is your access to God and if you will have it, you can enter into eternal life. If you'll not access it through Christ, however, the same door will be a barrier that keeps you out of eternal life forever. The key is what will you do with this man called Jesus? Will you receive him or will you refuse him? That is the system. The system is you must enter in by the door. The door is a proposal. Scope of it is everybody. The system of it is enter in. The supply of it. It said if any man enter in, he shall be saved. <laughs> 
When a person comes to Jesus for salvation, they find themselves totally, completely transformed and eternally saved. I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying it well. I'm leaving no room for wiggle room. But I don't know how much better that I can say it than what Jesus said. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. The Lord Jesus isn't searching for words here. He is not just saying something. He's not just turning a colorful phrase. They are instantly liberated and made a new creature in Christ Jesus. S-A-V-E-D, born again. As saved, it is a very descriptive word and was used to describe a person who had recovered from a serious illness. Anybody listening to me this morning? To be saved was a descriptive term that would have been used for a person who was bad off sick. Maybe even sick unto dying. A disease for which there was no cure for. Anybody ever heard anything like that? A disease that the doctors didn't know what to do with. A disease that killed a whole lot of people. It got a hold of. That will make you feel bad all the way to the grave. And you got delivered from it. And the fever was resolved. And you recovered from it. And you were well again. They would say that person has been saved or delivered from that disease. I'm saying to you, friends, sin is what's infecting us. Sin is what's contaminating us. Sin is what's killing us. But I'm glad Jesus said if you'll enter in by the door, you can be saved. I'll stop the fever. I'll heal your sick soul. I'll restore you under good health. If any man enters in, he'll be saved. Hallelujah. My soul was sick in sin. Oh, matter of fact, thank God, running a fever, burning up, hallelujah, headed towards the devil's hell. But praise God for when the great physician came my way and brought me into his dear family and he saved my soul and restored health unto my life. And when he got done with me, not only am I gonna, I'm not going to die, I'm going to live forever. And whenever he said that man, if he enters in, he's shall be saved. Hallelujah. I want to thank the Lord for saving my soul. I don't know about you. I praise the Lord. I'm in love with my Savior and He's in love with me. I want to say I love the Lord and I want to thank Him for saving my soul. S-A-V-E-D saved, delivered. This is the word that be used for a person who had been badly sick and had recovered from a serious illness. This would be a word that was used for a person who had survived a hot war. A place where they were fighting for their last breath. Fighting for survival. Knife in hand. Sword in hand. Spear in hand. Shield in hand. Bloodied and battered and bruised. Scraping just to stay alive. But finally, a truce was signed. Finally, the general says the battle's over. Finally, peace comes to the battlefield. And that one that thought they was going to die, be a casualty of war, shares the world. It stand up on his own two feet. Dust the dirt off of his clothes. Look at his hands and his feet. And say, I made it. The battle's over. It is finished. I am saved. I am delivered. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do you know what it is to fight a battle? To struggle with sin? To wrestle with the devil? And the Lord lets you in the door and realize I'm saved and I'm saved. And the battle's done and I belong to Jesus now. Woo! Hallelujah. Saved. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. 
This is a term that would have been used. My friend, a descriptive term that would have been used for a person who had been on a, on a ship and the wind began to blow and the rain began to fall and the waves beat against the ship and they were toiling and rowing and they figured, my friend, they were going to go under sure as a world. They expected to die. Oh, and they wrestled and they battled and the wind was contrary unto them. The nose of the ship would dive and then fly back up in the air again. They knew their ship would be battered and torn to pieces and they'd find themselves a casualty of the wreck on the sea of life. Oh, but when the storm stopped blowing, when the wind ceased, when the great calm came on the waters, when they finally landed their feet safely ashore and they told somebody else about it, that say, I have been delivered. I'm saved from that storm. Do you know what it's like for the wind to blow in your heart? Out for the waves to batter against your vessel. For you to think you're a goner, sure as the world. But the great captain of the sea just say, peace be still to your waves and your storm. And down on the inside you have peace. And you know I've entered in and I am saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to say I love the Lord and I want to thank God for saving my soul. What about you? If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, my, my. This is a term that a person would use who had gone through a contentious court case. They had been charged, my friend, with a crime. They had been brought before the bar of the judgment. They had heard the accusations of the, of my friend, of the prosecuting attorney. They had received and had thrown at them all of the venom of society. They had received bad press, been stamped or tattooed, branded as a criminal in this time. Permanent marks put on their bodies, identified them as having been charged. The judge sat there on the at the bench and shook his head and said there's no hope for him. But by some miraculous means this person was found not guilty and released from the courtroom. The sentence of death that hung over their head had been lifted and removed. He'd walk out on the courthouse steps. Folks would say what you had to say for yourself. I don't have much to say but I've been saved from that that was hanging over my head. I've been delivered. How oh, does anybody know what it is? To have the law against you. To have judgment against you. To have the God of heaven judging you. Only to realize that His Son Jesus Christ made a doorway of access where you can enter in and be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to say it again. I love the Lord. And I want to thank Him for saving my soul. Oh, bless his dear name. Hallelujah. I feel like calling recess, making a lap or two, and shouting hallelujah to the Lamb. I'm glad I am saved. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. That means you this morning. You're in a storm. You're in a courtroom in sin. You're sick in your flesh and in your soul. Oh, my friend, hey, you're in a battle with the devil in the world. That's you can be saved. Hallelujah. That's the supply of this proposal. The door's a person. The door's a proposal. If you'll enter in, you can be saved. In a spiritual sense, we've seen all of these things happen if you're saved. 
The door is a person. The door is a proposal. Number three, and I'm finishing. The door is a promise. The door is a promise. Hallelujah. It's not a predictor. Are you listening to me? It is not a prognostication. Hallelujah. It is not pontification or political prowess. It is a promise. It is a promise from a God who cannot lie. It is a promise. If any man enter in, I'll save some of them. I'll like some, take some, throw some out. No. It is a promise. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. No ambiguity. We're not talking about the murky, muddy waters of meddling around and muddling around. We're not talking about uncertainties and gray areas. We're not talking about political promises. We're talking about a God who cannot lie. Who said, if you'll just come in through me. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Hallelujah. There is a promise. I mean, verse 9 and 10, he says, If I I am the door, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and destroy. I'm come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. Our Savior makes some very specific and special promises in these verses. He gives us the promise of a pasture. Now, all of you maybe that uh, don't grow up with animals don't know how, more, how important that it promise is. And next week we're going to talk more about the sheep and the shepherd, and so I'm not going to get any deeper than I need to. But I'm going to tell you, every animal that eats grass likes a pasture. I mean, they all like a pasture. They like that lush green grass. Fell over there next to me, he has spent a gazillion dollars trying to raise a half a dozen calves. And they look pitiful. They're looking better. They are looking better. When he bought them, they look really pitiful. He put up wire that was fit to hold chickens in. I mean, little bitty, a lot more wire than what he needed for cows. Cows will stay in there. They like the pasture. If you'll feed them, they won't go anywhere. I mean, even if they break out, they won't leave the yard because they won't back in better than what they wanted out. Cows like the pasture, but he built a fortress over there like he was trying to build a prison or something. I mean, the fences are this high like he was trying to keep deer in. I mean, he used heavy gauge wire tied to hog like a wire, cattle wire, but it's not cattle. Cattle wires like hog wire or goat wire or something like that. Cows are too big to get through them little bitty places. You don't have to get the wire that tight. They're big. They can't fit through the big places. But he built him a some more of a fortress over there to keep his cows in. And then this winter, he went in while the wettest winter we've had in forever. And he just drowned that outfit in, in all sorts of fertilizer. And then he drowned it in all sorts of seed. And I mean, he's got hair. Or he's got grass over there thicker than the hair on the back of a collie dog. I'm telling you and it's about knee deep and it is lush green. It's almost black. It's a dark green. And every one of his cows has got an upset stomach. They've been eating so much green grass they can't hardly handle it. I mean they've got a pasture buddy. I mean a real pasture. Every deer in the neighborhood is trying to break in to eat out of his pasture. I mean he's got a pasture. A real good pasture for them little handful of calves. 
that he has over there. Jesus said, if you'll come in the door, you'll find pasture. You'll find nourishment. You'll find a place to graze. I'm glad I have a pasture this morning. I saved by his grace. I've got a place to graze. In the pasture, you'll find a place of rest. I'm no longer are we searching for what we need and no longer am I struggling to feel the longing in my soul or soothe the worries that I had about eternity. I have a place in the pasture where I can lay down and rest, where I can feel safe, where I can feel the shelter of my shepherd, where I have a place where I belong, a place of rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the pasture I have rest. In the pasture I have refreshment. I mean in Jesus Christ the saint of God finds absolute and perfect contentment. We taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I mean in the pasture I find refreshment. If I can get to where the Lord is, talk to Him for just a little while. I mean it's better than having a cool drink of water. Refreshing my soul. Making me feel like somebody. Making my life all better. Do you know what it is to be in a bad day and a bad time at the end of yourself and just think if I could just get everybody just get about 10-15 feet away from me and I could get alone in my own thoughts and talk to Jesus just a little while everything will be alright I know what that is I not only know what it is to think about it I know what it is to do it and to get alone by myself with the Lord in my own thoughts and begin to pray and seek God get in the pasture and feel refreshed in my soul and my friend to feel restored in the Lord Jesus Christ Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some days I feel a little overwhelmed. I don't know about you. Just a little bit. And I got a pretty high tolerance. I'm not a drama king. I'm not a queen of anything. You got to make that real clear in today's world. I mean, it's a messed up world we're living in. But I'm not one that gets all carried away with things. I don't get all upset very easily. But there are some days that I've been... Pulled all the way out. And I didn't have no further to go. And I just knew if I could just get a few minutes. Just a couple of minutes. Take the pistol out. Blow a hole in the cell phone. Find me a place somewhere in a pine thicket all by myself. And spend about 15 minutes talking to the Lord. Everything will be alright. You know what that's like? I mean, and listen. I don't just feel that way. I do it. I hadn't shot the cell phone. I just threatened to shoot the cell phone. But I would shoot it if it wouldn't cost so much money to replace it. Amen. I'm telling you, I would just blow a hole right on through it. A 16-gauge shotgun, Brother John, hole that big. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, friend, I would blow a hole in that thing if I thought that would fix it, but it won't fix it. 15 minutes in the pine thicket will fix it. 15 minutes around the rock culture will fix it. 15 minutes in the automobile parked off in the parking lot somewhere by myself with windows rolled up, doors locked, and the radio turned off with Talking to the Lord will fix it. It's amazing the refreshment there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his pasture I have rest. I have refreshment. In his pasture I find rejoicing. In Jesus we find the fullness of joy that was lacking when we wandered out in sin. First Peter 1 and 8 said it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Luke 10 and 20 said rejoice not that the devils are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. In the pasture I have reason to rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I have a promise of a pasture. I have a promise of plenty. I've never, no never, 
never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. The thief comes nothing, seeks nothing but his own selfish interest. He will steal and kill and destroy. He will refrain from nothing, even the killing of the sheep to get his way. But Jesus said, I'm not like the thief. I didn't come to get, but I came to give. He came so that we may be delivered from sin and all of its evil and experience. Have the best life imaginable. This life is that simply his life that is lived in us and through us day by day. It is new, eternal, everlasting, and abundant and it is lived in us and for him and through him and by him glad I know something about the life of God living in me a promise of plenty if gravy gets to five dollars a sop and there's one cracker left in this county God will give us a corner to nibble on he's going to see after his children hallelujah there's some people at Wall Street that could stand to hear what I'm trying to preach right now. Right. Amen. Yes, Hallelujah. 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 Let me blow my nose and I'll tell you something. Allergies. I don't have a corona. I have spring allergies. It's called March. It happens every year. You know, some of y'all hadn't been around a while. It happens every year. We have March one month out of every year. And sometimes March goes all the way slam into April. Amen. And uh, but uh, the folks in Wall Street, we have back after the after the uh, Great Recession, they want to call it, in 2008-9. And I've always noticed they always talk about 2008. It's amazing how the thing lasted in the near 2010. And we always want to call it the Great Recession 2008 because you know we changed administrations then, so everything was fixed. And uh, so, but then the Great Recession that was in 2008-9, even in 2010. Uh, we passed some new laws. And one of the genius laws that they passed to fix this problem of the stock market tumbling and crashing and people losing their investments and whatever is, if the market loses 7% in a day, they call recess. They call recess for 15 minutes and everybody stops trading, gets them a cup of coffee or something and tries to count backwards from 10 to 1 and, you know, gets their composure again and calms down and then they open the market back up again. Now, that took a real smart person to figure that one out. I mean, it took somebody with great genius to figure that one out. And we have never enacted that rule since it has been in place except for twice. And both times have been this week. Twice this week we have had to call recess in the stock market for the geniuses of Wall Street to sit around, drink a cup of coffee, count backwards for 10, from 10 and keep from hyperventilating this week. And they need to badly hear what I'm preaching here this morning. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded forth out of the mouth of God. And we need His word more than we need bread, more than what we need our next breath. And if God is your King and the Lord Jesus is your Savior. He will supply all of our need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I don't want to lose my retirement fund. I don't want the Dow Jones Industrial Average to fall. But God is not feeding my family according to the Dow Jones Industrial Average. He's not taking care of my bills according to the S&P 500. I'm not dependent on the NASDAQ and how it finishes for the day 
decay so that my needs may be met. And God is not dead. Heaven is not bankrupt. And the Lord will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm saying to you, He is the door. If we're looking for any other way, and we're missing the boat, Jesus is the door. In Him we have plenty. I don't just have what I need. You don't either, by the way. You're sitting out there this morning, you think, I'm poor. You're so rich, you're burnt, spoiled. Every one of you sitting there thinking, well, I'm not. You got more than enough for a meal. The Lord didn't promise you that he would give you a 25-day supply of toilet paper. Amen. You got more than enough for a meal. Most of us could probably stand to miss two or three meals and it might help us save some of you with some sugar problems who might just have to trim those meals down to try to monitor your sugar. But the rest of us could just skip the meal entirely and it wouldn't hurt us any. Several of those meals. Matter of fact, our clothes would probably fit better if we did. And we are not poor. We are rich. We're rich. We have everything that we need. I don't know of anybody in this building this morning that slept outside last night unless you decided to. I don't know anybody in this building this morning that had to walk 17 miles to church this morning. Most all of you rode in automobiles except for you crazy ones that wants to come on motorcycles. I mean in the rain. But you didn't do that because you couldn't do any difference. You did it because that's what you wanted to do. We are not poor. Amen. You may think you are, but you're not. You think you're poor this morning because you look at what you don't have instead of looking at what you do have. You think you're poor this morning because you look at what you would like instead of looking at who supplies everything you need. Amen. We are in such a rich country. The private enterprise system, if Bernie Sanders is listening, has so been beneficial to this country and God's blessings have been on us for recognizing Him, even though we've done a poor job of it lately. God's blessings have so been on us that when there is a run on supplies at the grocery stores, there's still food to be found. And the freezers are stuffed full and pouring over. And the cabinets are full of noodles and cans of things and enough supplies that lots of it will get wasted and thrown out. And many of you this morning who'd say to yourself that you're poor, you don't even eat leftovers. You give them to the dogs and the cats and the pigs and the hogs. And my friend, our animals in this country eat better than folks who are human beings eat in other places in the world. While we say we're poor, we're not poor. We just don't appreciate things like we ought to. A supply. God is taking care of us. You are not going to die. The sky has not fallen. Please don't misunderstand. When I say you're not going to die, I don't mean ever. I don't even mean that you're not going to die from the coronavirus. may very well be the case. What I mean is you're not going to starve to death because somebody else bought the toilet paper off the shelves, got the cleaning supplies first, and you didn't get to raise the noodles before somebody else did. Everything's going to be all right. And if you need some Raymond noodles, go find somebody's got some. We don't bother you. If you need something else, we'll give it to you. I'll skip a meal and let you have some of mine. The earth is not going to come to an end because of a virus. 
the earth is going to come to an end because God says that's enough. Amen. And it's not going to until God does say that's enough. Amen. Don't misunderstand me this morning. Still make the high sign at me. I'm not trying to be foolish this morning. I'm telling you, if you trust the shepherd, if you trust the door, if you trust Jesus, you don't have to worry about all this other stuff. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. This is a future sermon on these I am's. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. They still going to be somebody here when Jesus comes back. The population of planet Earth ain't going to disappear. If I go to my Father, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. There will still be people on Earth when Jesus comes back. They not only will get wiped out. The next two weeks while you're out of school. Some of you parents may feel like you've been wiped out. You keep your kids out of school for two weeks that you wasn't planning on. But you're not all going to get wiped out. Is anybody listening this morning? Ain't at all when I started this study what I was planning on preaching to when I got to this point. But there's a promise. There'll be plenty. There'll be enough. You may not always have everything you have today. I don't have this week what I had a week and a half ago, particularly not in my retirement account. I didn't have a whole lot in my retirement account, but it sure looks uglier now than what it did two weeks ago. Better than that, I took some money out of a pension about two weeks ago and deposited it at a great time, didn't I? Fixed in a pension because I was afraid the pension was going to go broke and I put it in the stock market instead. <laughs> Y'all give me an attaboy button. Tell me how smart I am. Don't y'all come ask me no more questions about finances. I'm obviously not qualified to answer. I mean, these things in life. Hey, I can tell you, I can tell you some, some stories. I don't have the finances I had five years ago. I make less money right now than I made in 1997. Hoping that'll change. Working hard to see to it that it does. But it ain't been short term. It's not going to be a short time before that drastically changes. Rebooted my career because of people who don't like Jesus. How many meals have we gone without? None. I have not lost weight. I've put on about 20 pounds. Are you listening to me? God sees to it that we have plenty. Yes. You know how many months the house payment hadn't been made? You know how much the credit score has dropped? Amen. Every need supplied. Every moment satisfied. God has taken care of us. Safely this far, Jesus has brought me. No need to doubt him now. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe this far. His grace is going to lead me home. There is a promise of plenty in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the door. Last days, Daniel said, men shall run to and fro. Knowledge shall be increased. Amazing how the more they know, the more panic they get. They run to and fro. They learn all kind of things, but they're still just running around like a chicken with the head cut off. Has anybody got any better stability about them because of all of what they know? Not a bit. Folks are crazier now than they've ever been. 
More knowledge available than there's ever been. More mixed up people than what there's ever been. And while the whole world goes crazy, don't go with them. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus. That ain't all in the notes, but that's all in the important part of the preaching. There's a promise of plenty. I'm finishing with this, honestly, I am. There's a promise of protection. If you enter in by the door... As we have mentioned, doors are access for entry and refusal of entry. It is to let in and to keep out. He lets us in through the door, but when we are in Him, He keeps out the predators that would injure or kill His sheep. There is protection from Satan predators. There is protection from sin and protection for the sheep. We are in Christ and we are safe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I want to say I want to thank the Lord for saving my soul. I'm wondering this morning, are you wandering around outside the blessings and family of God? I'm finished preaching if you'd come with a song. Do you want to come inside where the blessings are? Will you simply trust Christ as your only access or doorway to eternal life? In Exodus chapter 12, we learned about the Passover, how the Lord passed through the Lamb that night and all those who had not the blood of the Lamb applied to the doorpost. There was death in the house of the firstborn, both man and beast. That the Hebrews shed blood, they painted the door up from death. My friend, they painted the door with the doorpost of their home with blood. And then they entered into safety by means of a bloody door. They were safe from death inside the door. Jesus is your bloody door this morning. They were saved from death inside the door. He, gave, he died to give you access to God and the two eternal life. Today the door is open. You can enter in while you can. The day will come like it was with the ark of Noah when God will shut the door and no man can open it. But today the door is open. If you are unsaved this morning, I can't think of a better place than right here. I cannot think of a better time than right now. For you to get born again. For you to come and enter in through the door. This morning, if you have forgotten where you are and whose you are, I can't think of a better place to just have a come to Jesus meeting than right now. If you have, I talked to a lady this week totally unrelated to the news of the day issue in her home and it's not a big issue she thinks it is but it is not a big issue and she said every time I walk in that room it's, it's, no, it's killing me and, and I, my chest hurts and, and I just know I just feel it when I walk in there now what she's talking about would take more than walking in the room for it to, to hurt you if it were present the thing she thinks is killing her is not even affecting her. You know what she's having? She's not having a mold attack. She's having a panic attack. Now, I'm not a physician. I know a little bit about mold, not enough, just enough to be dangerous. But I know enough to know that you have to be in the room more than three or four seconds for it to kill you. You don't just walk in, and, and she thinks when she walks around behind the door into the other room that she's okay. If it were mold, it doesn't care that there's a door there. It comes right on in the air. It's here. And I'm not making fun at all. She's got a serious problem, but her problem is here that has to be addressed. 
I can send people out to her house, tear the whole house, burn it down to the ground, rebuild it. It's not going to fix this. Some of you this morning, whatever's happened this week, whether it has been in the news or in your family, in your health or in your life or in your neighbor's life, has caused you to just go off the rails. And this morning, you need to have one of those experiences with God where you shut everything else out. Where you forget about who's on this side of the church and that side of the church. You get along with God and say, Lord, I'm here because I need a place of rest in the pasture. You've got to bring back sanity in my life in an insane world. And listen to me just a minute. Don't think that just because you're in that place right here in your mind, that means you're nuts. It means you're human. This world is crazy. I'm telling you, it'll, let, it'll drive you crazy if you let it. If you have sanity in your life, you are not normal. You are the exception. Most people are nuts. And most people stay that way all the time. But you can get some help from Jesus this morning. Y'all listen to me. I shake a lot, but it's because I shake. It's not because I'm nervous. I am not in any way rattled. In any way rattled by whatever's going on in my life right now. It's in the hands of the Lord. You say, I'm doing my best. I'm doing it. Well, if you are, what else are you supposed to do? Quit worrying about it. If you are doing your best. And if you're not, do your best. And then quit worrying about it. Some of you are worried about your school and you're worried about this and that. Just stop it. Put your trust in. I mean, if you've done all the best you can, what else are you supposed to do? You're trying to do something you can't do. And you will utterly be a failure at doing what you can't do. You cannot do what you cannot do. Y'all will give me $100 for this therapy session when we're done. If you've done your best, then stop it. Put the rest of it in the hands of Jesus. All we have is five loaves and two fishes. Jesus says, bring them to me. I can't do anymore. Bring it to him. I'm in my wits end. I access the door. Jesus says, I am the door. Some of you this morning need to enter in, find pasture, and get rest for your soul. Saved and lost alike. If you need a place to pray this morning, I'd invite you to come. Everybody stand. Preach what the Lord's laid on my heart this morning. Preach longer than I intended to, but exactly what I intended to. I'd ask you if you need to pray this morning to come. No need to be in a hurry. We're not going anywhere if you got good sense anyhow. So just find your place to pray. Let's talk to the Lord. Hear the blessed Savior calling the oppressed. You need to pray when you come. Would you talk to the Lord? Would you cast your burdens on Him? Are you disappointed? What?
Strangely, they will not follow. 